Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you uh, for joining me today. I hope you had a, a good time listening to Glenn Pickering. He was just on the first hour. And if you missed any of it, you're going to want to go and listen. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can go to the show page, Afternoons with me, and you can go hear it from the beginning. It was a great hour. Now I'm in studio with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. And you know Tom and Marsha. They are uh, regular contributors on the show and some of my very faves. And we're going to chat today about... Hanukkah, and it's a, you know, no Hanukkah, no Christmas. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be a fascinating uh, discussion with the Berkowitzes. Never know when to shut that off. Berkowitzes. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so let me take 60 seconds, and then we'll start. For 70 years, Faith Radio has been a trusted voice sharing the good news of the gospel, lifting up the name of Jesus, and helping listeners grow in their faith. God has been so faithful to us in this ministry, thanks to the financial investment of thousands of friends just like you. But your partnership is still needed for the work ahead. Join us today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-93-FAITH. Worshiping Christ together. With my hands and my feet, with my heart and my voice, I will follow Jesus. With my life and my song, I have made this my choice. I will follow Jesus. No, no turning back. No turning back. Faith Radio. Marty? And it cried, it's your show. <laughs> but I'll tell. Yeah, well, that's Marty Getz. He's, it's a walk-up music for Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. They're in studio with me, which makes me very happy. Tom has been teaching a community Bible study here in Dinah, Minnesota, now in his 18th year. And uh, always glad to have them join me in studio. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having us. Oh, we look forward. Lovely, to it. lovely having you in. So, we're going to talk about Hanukkah today. Hanukkah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know yes. how to say that correctly. I won't do that because I don't want to drench I sp- you in my spit. I'll get a spit shield up. That <laughs> <Yeah>. should help. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to talk about Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, the Festival of Lights. Nice. But I'll tell you how we we got there and how 
we were thinking about it. You know, I'm the teaching director at Community Bible Study in Edina, and I'm sitting there trying to prepare a talk on numbers one, two, three, and four, which is nothing more than a census of the people and then the Levites and tell and it tells them what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking there, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> I'm already down. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at the title and I went to the Hebrew and the Hebrew word for numbers is barmidar, which means in the world wilderness. And that's where I felt. And I realized uh, if you're in the wilderness and you don't have hope and trust, you'll probably be buried in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way to split up the book of Numbers chronologically because Jews don't think in chronological order. (laughs) Plus, it's my premise, over 45 times it says, and Yahweh, or the Lord, spoke to Moses. So it's his book. More than any other book in the entire Bible, the Lord spoke to Moses. So it's his book. So... We're talking about the wilderness, and I was really down, and I've been fighting some things, and when I get down, I get dark, and when I get dark, I lose hope and trust. So I called up a friend of mine. Uh, He's a a Jewish believer in Charlotte, North Carolina, Scott Volk, and we travel to Israel with him, and we've been friends for over 33 years. And I, I told him, Scott, I'm really struggling. I'm really down. I don't have much hope. He said, you're not going to believe this, Tom. I had to, I have to give up, get a, a message at our church. And I, I don't know, I just kept thinking about hope, hope. And I don't even know how to define hope. You know, I just take it for granted. And he said, so the Lord, I was going to get up at 530 in the morning to start thinking about what I'm going to say about hope. And the Lord woke me up. At 4.30, my house is full because all my family's there, so the only place I could go and be quiet was in the bathroom. So I knew that had to be from God. And he defined hope for me, and it kind of turned everything around. And we'll get to Hanukkah in just a second. But here's his definition. He downloaded this. He never even thought about it, you know, in his mind. Being fully assured that God always has a solution for your situation and that he will show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. Wow, that's great. And I just it just resonated with me. So then we started flashing out Bible st- uh, verses that uh, is, can God really do this? So we come, he starts off, he got two, and then I got five or six or seven because I kept working on it because I'm the one that was in the wilderness. And the first one is from Luke one thirty seven. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, that's easy to say, but think about it. Mm-hmm. God came to a young Jewish girl, 16 years old or so, and told her she was going to have a baby without sex. Now, That takes faith. Mm -hmm. And the angel said, is there anything too difficult with God? Is anything impossible? And then 
in Matthew uh, 19.26, this is where he kicked off. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Jesus is talking to his, his guys, his 12 guys, and telling them what's going to happen, who can come in and who can't, and what's, what he was going to do. And they had a hard time, and that's why he said, with man, this would be impossible. With you guys, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So then I jumped in, and I'm thinking Jeremiah 32:27. Behold, God is speaking. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And he was talking about then they're going to be uh, exiled to Babylon and for all their sins. But I'm going to bring you back because nothing is too hard for me to do. And then my one of my favorites, and I'll get off these verses and get no, into you don't Hanukkah. Have to. This is fantastic. In Genesis eighteen fourteen, I just absolutely love this. This context is God just told Sarah, who's at the time eighty nine years old, that she's going to have a baby, and she hasn't had one all her life when she could have babies, and now everything's dried up and she can't. And she kind of laughs at God, and he says, is anything too hard for Yahweh, for the Lord? So it's just, uh, you know, that's great because it was impossible, Mm -hmm. yet it did happen a year later as he promised. And then another one, Jesus is in in Mark 14, 36. He's in the garden. He knows he's going to be arrested, and he cries out, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. And so there from the mouth of Jesus, he said, everything's possible with you. You can lift this from me. Please do. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. So as I looked at that, I'm starting to think, hey, this is going to work. And then King Solomon wrote, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, you know, I can dwell on that because I was sick at that time. But that's a one side of a two-sided coin. If you flip it over, it says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And then as I'm thinking about where we are, we're coming in on Sunday evening at sundown is Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is the Feast of Dedication. And I'll let Marcia give you a a little bit of a background on that and where it comes from, because that was a context where if God didn't come through, there would be no Jewish people. They would have been all Greeks. And Judaism and every piece of Jewish blood would have been gone. They would have intermixed and their whole tradition would have been gone. But God did come through. And if he wouldn't have, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas on the 25th. What is that, next Wednesday? Mm -hmm. So that's where it is. So my whole premise of this whole thing, if you put your hope and trust in the Lord, he will lead you to his promises. If you don't, you're going to stay in the wilderness. Wow. All right. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are in my studio. We're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, 
We're going to hear from Marsha. Tom, this is tremendous. Are you going to say something? No. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm afraid to. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. We'll uh, take a short break and be right back. That was... Tom and Marsha, and we're talking about uh, Hanukkah, and I think, Marsha, you're going to give us a little... Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll start with a little history A little lesson. history would be good, okay. and First I, will, of all, I will kibitz with you, and so will ha- Tom. Hanukkah means dedication. Okay. So with that in mind, <clears throat> the story is, in about the second century before Christ, the Holy Land at that time was ruled by the Greek Syrians, and the it was under a general... And the name was Antiochus. So Antiochus came and put a statue, or the general put a statue of Antiochus in a small town in Modin. And the, he, they wanted the Jewish people to bow down to this statue as to be one of their gods. Well, of course, the Jewish people could not do that. And so a small band of Jews, which was maybe... Three, four hundred people led by um, the Judah, the Maccabee. That's where the name comes from. They defeated an army of maybe, they're speculating, maybe 10,000. Wow. Yeah. So you've got odds were highly against them. And they defeated them, and Antiochus was so upset and enraged that he went to Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple. Now, of course, they couldn't clean. The Jews could not clean that altar. So what they had to do is they just piled the rocks out of the temple in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. But at the same time, here's where the light comes in. At the same time, the eternal light in the temple was going out. Now, the Maccabees only had enough olive oil for one day because it took eight days to get it cured to be able to light up the menorahs there. So that's where the eight days of Hanukkah come in because they were able to, that eternal light was lit with one day's worth of olive oil for eight days. And so that is why... The miracle, that's the miracle. The miracle happened. The oil lasted for eight days. But the real miracle is that God has saved his people from extinction. And that's why we remember and that's why we celebrate Hanukkah, to remember that the Jewish people were saved. Yeah, and what was really cool about it, when they took the altar apart, they couldn't dispose of the rocks. They had a put them someplace and figure out what to do with them. And so here's what they said. Let's put them in Solomon's colonnade 
And when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us what to do with them. Now, Hanukkah is not in the Hebrew Bible because it happened in between when the Hebrew Bible was done being written and the New Testament was being written. So you only find it in the in-between uh, books like First and Second Maccabees. That's where you can find the story. But it's interesting. In John 10, 22, it says, At the time of the Feast of Dedication, at the time of Hanukkah, because mm-hmm. they were celebrating, took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple and the colonnade of Solomon. So, wow. So, who would have thought? And so, the question is, what did he tell him to do with the rocks? And the answer is nothing, because the rocks were going away, because he's going to give us a new temple for everybody who puts their faith in them. We become a living temple. He lives with us in his heart. The, the curtain is torn and separated. So there, you can go boldly before the throne, and those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and those who are saved become a holy priesthood. But the beauty of Hanukkah is all about hope. Remember I told you I was struggling for hope? Mm-hmm. Well, this story, against all odds, the Maccabees won. They put their trust, their hope and their trust in the Lord, and he led them to the promises. And, you know, it's relevant for our life. Uh, each, you know, we do it with our family. And Marsha can tell you how we do it uh, and what we're trying to teach our grandkids about Hanukkah. Well, the first night, the first night of Hanukkah, there are, uh, we light the candles and you only light one. Now, there are, There are actually nine spaces on the menorah, on a Hanukkah menorah. And the reason for that is because there is one in the middle that's called the shamus or the servant candle. And each night you take that one servant candle and you light one candle. The second night you light two candles. But you always use the servant Mm. to light the candles. And where does that one live? That one, it's usually in the middle. In the middle, okay. Yeah. It, it, not yeah. usually. It's the only place. It, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then there are blessings. So there are three blessings. The first blessing is recited only on the very first night, and it says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this occasion. And then you go on to the other blessings, and you say the other two every night. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to kindle the Hanukkah light. The second blessing. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who performed miracles for our forefathers in those days at this time. So it's all remembering the miracles of the light. And what we do in our family is, um, for the grandkids, I uh, wrap presents. They get to open one present each night. Uh, Gelt is 
the common uh, present. However, little three-year-olds don't kind of get get a lot out of a little piece of chocolate gelt. So, uh, and they're just, you know, they're kind of like what people would use as, as stocking stuffers. For instance, I think, don't tell my grandkids this, but I think the first one they're going to get this year is a marshmallow covered in chocolate with a stick on it that they would put in their hot chocolate. Mm. And that's what we do. Yummy. That's just our our tradition, just small little things that they but they all open even though they're in three different cities, they all open the same gift on the same night. Do you send Tom to the store when you make those? <laughs> no, he he doesn't really uh hang around <laughs> for the wrapping of the gifts. <laughs> I'm Kind of like an anchor around her neck. Okay. <laughs> sometimes it's really, you know, sometimes this year it's it's right before Christmas, but mm-hmm. it isn't always. It goes on the Hebrew calendar, so sometimes it's the first part of December even, and so you're rushing to get your gifts. Yeah. And this and year it's uh, Monday? But it starts Sunday. Sundown. 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 Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. But here's the beauty of it. The shaman's candle. You can you can see the word picture you can do th- with that. It's the servant candle that lights other people's light. We are called the servants of God, and we're called to be ambassadors of him in this world, and we're called to let our light shine before people in such a way that they may see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And we're called to light people's candles. Mm-hmm. And what are we lighting their candles with? The hope and trust in the Lord. And if you do that, he'll lead you to his promises. Now, I know we're probably coming up to a break, but when we come back, Hanukkah is a, uh, really a, a holiday of hope. We're going to tell you about a little bit of American history and how Hanukkah paid, played a big part that helped us win the Revolutionary uh, War with it sounds made up, but I'll, 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 oh, I'll believe you. Oh, I'm wounded. <laughs> You're not wounded. That, that sounds so interesting. Yeah, so Tom and Marshall Berkowitz, how do you spell that candle in the middle, the Shamit's candle? How do you spell that? I can't it, spell in English, oh, yeah. but it's S-H-A-M-A-S-H. Yes, okay. correct. Shamash. Okay, good. Uh, so, yeah, let us know if you have a, something you'd like them to clarify that you've heard um, and... We're going to take a very short break. We'll come back, and we're going to hear about uh, more about Hanukkah, which is wonderful. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are in the studio. We will be back in a couple minutes. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior. On Faith Radio.
We're back with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz, and I'll open this question up. Here's a question, a question from a listener named Bill, who looks and sounds an awful lot like me. Um, is Hanukkah the Jewish Christmas? Boy, no, it's not the Jewish Christmas. I'm just asking. It's not, because, again, it was a God's miracle that helped the Jewish people overcome astronomical odds. Think about it. Back in those days when they were flinging uh, uh, spears and shooting arrows, how did 370, 380 men beat an army of 10,000? Right. I mean, only God could do that. He's probably laughing all the when, when he was doing it, I too. think some people think it is, but it is not a require. It's not one of the feasts. It's not mentioned as the where the uh, Jewish men had to go up to Jerusalem to celebrate it. So mm-hmm. people think it's kind of a lesser and came about almost after Christmas, where it really there wouldn't have been Christmas if it hadn't been for Hanukkah. Most mm-hmm. Jews don't know that it's even uh, uh, mentioned in the Bible because they don't get to the Messianic writings, the New Testament. Right. And here we have our Lord celebrated Hanukkah. Mm, fantastic. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, this is a story uh, that uh, it was started in the winter of 1777. It was a very cold, harsh winter, and soldiers were stationed in Valley Forge. They had no inkling of why they were there. But in their midst was a Jewish soldier, and it happened to be the first night of Hanukkah. So when all the other soldiers were fast asleep, he took out his menorah and lit one candle, recited the blessings, and sat down to watch the small flame. But it fired his imagination of memories. And there was a general standing by his side who looked at him and said gently, Why are you weeping? Are you cold, my friend? soldier jumped to his feet and saluted. Then he said quietly, I'm weeping before my father in heaven, sir. Everyone's fate lies in his hands. He controls the fate of millions the world over. I was praying for your success, General Washington. I came to this country because I was fleeing the persecution of tyrants who have forever oppressed my family, my townspeople, and my nation. But you will be victorious. Thank you, soldier, the general replied and sat himself on the ground in front of the menorah. And what have we here? He asked. This is a candelabra. Jews all over the world are lighting the first candle of our festival Hanukkah tonight. This serves to commemorate a great miracle that occurred to our ancestors. There were only a handful compared to the massive armies, but they held out thanks to their faith in God, and were granted a miracle. The bright flame ignited a flame of hope in the weary general's eyes, and he cried out joyfully, You are a Jew? Then you are descended from a people of prophets, and you say that we will win the war? Yes, sir, he replied confidently. The general rose, his face glowing with renewed hope. They shook hands, and Washington asked the soldier for his name and address. A year later, on the first night of Hanukkah in 1778, the Jewish veteran was sitting in his home in New York City. The first Hanukkah light was burning brightly on his windowsill when suddenly there was a knock on the door. His wife rose to open it, and to her astonishment, 
there stood President Washington. There is that fabulous light, the Hanukkah light, he cried out, spotting the candle in the window. That flame and your remarkable words kindled a light in my heart on that dark and bitter night. He reminisced. We were in a tight situation, and your words encouraged me so they spurred me on with new hope. You will soon be awarded a Medal of Honor from the United States of America for your bravery in Valley Forge. But tonight you will also receive a personal momentum from me. And with this words, he placed on the table a gold medal, which was engraved a Hanukkah menorah with one light burning. And upon this medal was inscribed as a sign of thanks for the light of your candle, George Washington. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? That is, that is amazing. And, you know, there's always questions. Did that really happen? But the family members, that coin has been passed down. They do have it. Wow. So who knows? Yeah. I like the story because even our greatest heroes will face a time of no hope. And, you know, hope deferred makes the heart uh, sick. Sick. And he was sick, and here this great holiday, the Festival of Light, spurred him on, gave him hope. He put his trust in the Lord, and here we are, almost 300 years later, a great nation. Wow. That's that's Hanukkah. I think we close it, in prayer. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I like about it in John uh, eight twelve. Um, this is this happened just before Hanukkah, back when Jesus was alive. And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but walk in light. And the word picture there is so good, because in the courtyard in Jerusalem, they had uh, 12 huge menorahs regular menorahs, and on each one they had like, it was uh, 20, you know, where the candles go, they had like 20 gallons of oil, Mm -hmm. and they'd light those on fire, and Jerusalem's a city on the hill, and everybody could see the light and see the hope that God gives us when we put our trust in him, and he will lead us to the promises. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great story, and it's it's so interesting to learn about Hanukkah. And I want to just say to any one that has a question about Hanukkah, I think now is the time to let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Where does the dreidel come in? The dreidel dreidel? The dreidel dreidel. Why, why do we say it twice? Well, that's because of me. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the song. It's a, it's a song. song. Oh, it's a song. Okay. Oh, I can't sing, oh, so I'm goodness. not going to sing it. Yeah. But it's just a game that comes up. And on each side of the dreidel is a Hebrew word. It talks about miracle. It talks about hope. It talks about light. And it lands on it. And and that's where you get the guilt. Guilt. The guilt. The guilt is, is the chocolate? Your, yeah. Is a, yep. Mm-hmm. I've never well, heard it. it could be real, but what most is guilt? people. Money. Oh, yeah, money. Yeah. Money. Okay. It's usually a chocolate-covered gold coin. Oh, I got it. So it is resembling money, but it's just it, chocolate. It you know, the great thing about Hanukkah is the same thing with Christmas. 
it doesn't matter where you are on a social economic scale, whether you are old, young, you can you can celebrate this, understand the great miracles that God did if you understand the history, and no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, you have hope because we serve a mighty God. Getting back to the numbers uh, teaching I was doing, I sp- split the the book up to outline it, the first generation and the second generation. The first generation is the first 25 chapters. They could not, when the circumstances or their situation was so dire, it looked impossible. They could not find the hope and then the trust in the Lord. So they didn't get the promise of the land. But the second generation faced similar circumstances that were impossible, but they put their trust in the Lord and they got the land. So that's the way I look at it. It gives us hope. And then we have Christmas, and, you know, Christmas is not in the Bible anywhere. But the celebration of lights and the giving of gifts and just the enjoyment of it. I'm not a Christmas guy, but I like that picture of it. Mm -hmm. And you have the two close together. There's a good meaning, and I think a guy like smart as you, Bill, you can make a sermon out of it, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we could all be blessed. Yeah. So the menorah is up at your house? It is. Yeah? It is. Yeah. And the first lighting will be Sunday at sundown? hmm Yes. Okay. Or when my grandkids get there, and, okay. and they want everything. <laughs> no, no. We don't we have to have it on the right day, the right candle on the right, correct day. Yeah. We used to send the... Uh, our Hanukkah gifts to our daughters when they're away out from college. And now that my oldest daughter is an adult, she used to say, I opened them all on the first night. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, if you're here, if you're listening, you've been outed. <laughs> yeah, you're totally busted, Nikki. <laughs> Get back to real tradition, one a day for eight days, right? Right. But it's a great holiday, and it's not about presents. It's about... God's provision, a mighty God who gives us promises. And I can tell you, one who was sitting in the desert wondering if I was going to get out, Mm -hmm. have new hope and new trust in the Lord. What are some other Hanukkah traditions? Are there confessions that you make at Hanukkah? Well, uh, I don't know about that, but I mean, as far as food, it's oil. You you uh, fry things in oil to commemorate the oil in the menorah. Okay. And so there's potato lakas that are fried in oil. And Yum. when we were in Israel, they have they have them here too. But it's almost like a jelly donut. That's like um uh, like a Bismarck, and they it's called a sufigat or something like that. And when we would come into the hotel on on one each night of Hanukkah there would be an entire platter of these just high, high, you know, so many and, and many menorahs. It wasn't just one menorah. There, there may have been 50 menorahs lit all around the hotels. It's beautiful. And different families would come and light it and do their own little yeah. Hanukkah blessing. So it's just a festive time. It's good. And it sounds really good. Uh, a listener named George from Lakeville just said, 
How do I get one of those jelly donuts? Uh, his good friend, Marsha, will make him one. <laughs> or buy one. <laughs> or, buy, or buy one, yeah. If you have a question about Hanukkah or its traditions, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back with the Berkowitzes in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are here with me. We're talking about Hanukkah, and I think I'm going to maybe change directions a little bit, unless we've got questions coming in from listeners. You're absolutely welcome to ask us a Hanukkah question, which they will answer. But how do Jews perceive uh, Christmas? Well, most Jews, they don't celebrate it. Uh, On Christmas, they look for a Chinese restaurant, and they go out and eat. But what a marvelous time to invite your Jewish neighbors to come in and celebrate with you because they'd love to celebrate with you. And then you can ask them about Hanukkah, and they will tell you about that, and you can tell them why we do Christmas and what what the focus of Christmas really is. I mean, who wouldn't like the lights um, on a tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about that. Uh, or the great songs and what they mean. Some of them are hesitant to go because we talk about this little baby. The thought of God becoming a baby and growing into a man is almost repugnant to them because it's like worshiping an idol. But you can walk through that and teach them. And, and they'll ask questions. But... It takes, you know how Jews are going to come into a saving knowledge of, of Jesus? By their Gentile neighbors, friends, inviting them, showing them love and concern, and, and talking about faith. I just had a conversation with a, a Jewish doctor at a, at a party. It was a dinner. Everybody left, and just he and I were there, and we started talking, and he asked me a question. He said, you know a lot about Israel. I said, well, yeah, it's, it's our homeland. And he says, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, I'm a Jew that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And he, there was dead silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, so what is that? And so we had a good conversation. And you can have conversations. It's a conversation with a purpose. Yeah. What's the purpose? To sh- let your light shine before them. Show them love. Because you know what traditionally has happened? That's when anti-Semitism raises up their ugly uh, hand. And that's when uh, Gentiles in the church, when I say that I'm using a broad brush, I'm not picking on any one church, but that's where uh, they used to have... Uh, um, anti-Semitism, where they persecuted their neighbors and stuff. And they kept them at arm's length. We're not called to keep them at arm's length. We're called to embrace them. And one of the stumbling blocks, it's not a theological stumbling block, but it is a a tradition and an ancestral stumbling block, is that many Jews have been told by Gentile Christians that they must 
convert and no longer be Jewish. And that is that is incorrect because you will you can still be Tom is very Jewish for those of you who know Jewish people. And um but but they still you can be a Jewish believer in the Messiah. You don't have to give up all your family, all your traditions. You can still celebrate Hanukkah. You don't have to give up these things and the foods and your tradition and your comfort. And yes, your family will probably and may very well have a hard time with it, but maybe you can witness to them that they are not, you're not a traitor to the Judaism. Not a traitor to your people by becoming a Christian. Yeah. It's interesting. We might have to change some of our food selections. Like a common meal on Easter is ham. You know, why would anybody do that if they invited Jewish people and that would be repulsive? Mm -hmm. So have turkey or have lamb. And at Christmas, I mean, you can have your traditions, but have something that wouldn't be offensive. And who knows if they're secular Jews, they might join you in eating the trafe and enjoy it and talk with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's what it is. Yeah. So let's go back to what some Jews learned in Hebrew school about Jesus. What, what, were, what were they taught? So when you're talking, you know, when your friend, this doctor friend said, so tell me, I mean, that's what we call an evangelistic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have they learned to this point? What, what do you believe they believe? Or what do you understand them to believe? Go and talk about the Trinity, because that's a major stumbling block because of the Shema. Right. The Shema is from Deuteronomy 6, for hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So they see Christians as worshiping three gods. Well, as you look at their own scriptures, they speak as God as a spirit. That's God's spirit. They speak as God, and Jesus is the manifestation of God. And if you look in the Hebrew and you look at uh, uh, Abraham, who did he have lunch with? He had lunch with the Lord, who was a came as a person, a man, and was eating food. I mean, so it's not that far out. You just have to sit and talk through it. It's one God. He's just showing himself in three different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you can start a conversation. Um, my question to him is, is do you believe in God? You tell me that this particular person's, their, their uh, um, daughter was going back in the Orthodox Judaism, and he wasn't. And I said, let me ask you a question. What other people have lost their land and their language for 2,000 years and remain a distinct people? Usually it's two or three generations, and it's history. Mm-hmm. But only the Jews, and that was through all the persecutions. And, and God himself made a promise to Abraham, and that's why we have uh, Jewish people today. When we did the census in Numbers, there was 603,050 fighting soldiers, draft age that could fight. So if you extrapolate it, it would be somewhere around 2 million people. So that's 3,500 years ago. 
And think about other civilizations like the Chinese, the Indians. They all have over a billion people. And how about our Arab cousins? They're just under 400 million, 385 million people. But the Jews, only 16 million. That in itself defies logic. But what God said, whatever I scatter, no one can gather. And whatever I gather, no one can scatter. So he preserved the people. He said, I'm going to scatter you, but I'm going to keep you as a distinct people. And that goes back to Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37. But just before that, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 is the new covenant. So he, and that's a covenant you're grafted into by your faith in Jesus. But the new covenant wasn't to the Christians, the new because there wasn't such a thing. The new covenant was to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And he's going to give you a new covenant. 500 years after Jeremiah said that, Jesus, Jesus ratified that covenant with his blood. And now all who believe in that covenant are grafted in, and they have eternal life. But 35, 36, and 37, I'm rough paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Phrasing. If the sun and the moon go away, if you can separate what the natural order is, then there won't be an Israel. Well, that hasn't happened. So what God said, there will always be my people Israel unless everything else comes apart. And that hasn't happened. And what do we find? We have a nation of Israel. And since uh, the Romans purged Israel of of Jewish people, they didn't purge 100%. There's always been a remnant. Mm-hmm. And archaeology is finding there's always been a remnant. So God has pres- preserved that people. So then you have to ask the question, well, how can you have a relationship with God if there's no sacrifice? Because how do you atone for your sins? Most uh, Jews would say through Charity, giving to the poor. Jews all give Christians by significant amount because it's a way of covering your your sins. Or they do good deeds. The bottom line is, God said, without the shedding of blood, there is no covering for sin. So we can talk about that. We can wrestle with it. Yet you ask him the question from Daniel twelve two, and again I'm. I don't have my Bible open, but it says everybody is going to be raised up, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting damnation. And you look all through the scriptures, and that's what it says. When you think about the remnant surviving over all these years, it is a spectacular thought. Yeah. It's mind-blowing to to think of the, the way that God has held together and think of from the Jewish people are two tenths of one percent of the world's population it's nothing they're a rounding error mm-hmm. for the Chinese <laughs> mm-hmm. but what have they brought into the world as far as technology as far as science as medicine and they're right now with only 6.8 million Jews living in Israel, they're like the, the third or fourth strongest military 
in the world. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? That's a great, great point. So interesting. Yeah. So God, who God blesses, no one can curse. We learned that from Numbers 23. Mm-hmm. When God blesses someone, no one can curse him. When he curses someone, no one can bless him. Thank you so much, Tom and Marsh, for coming in, and Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And I Thank want to you. leave with the definition of hope that you started with by your friend, is it Steve Volk? Scott. Scott Volk. Scott, yeah. Scott Volk. Great quote. Hope, being fully assured that God always has a solution for your situation and that he will show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. That wraps up our show for the day. If you missed any of it, I promise you're going to want to go to the website, myfaithradio.com, go to the show page, and start from the beginning. Thanks for being with me. Thanks to Tom and Marsha for being here. Always great to see you. And uh, we will uh, see you tomorrow. Have a great night as you lay your head on the pillow. Know that God is working out his great plan in your life and that he loves you very much, and so do I. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.